How many of you have heard of Robert Morris's teaching and book called The Blessed Life before this morning, those of you that were in class? How many of you heard of him before? All right. A few. Good. Good. I just want to encourage you. We are going to be going through his teaching, and it's a video series. We showed the first video this morning during our adult Bible class, and then we will be following up with a teaching from uh, his book primarily and some other sources that he recommends. But I just want to encourage you not to, not to pump a book necessarily, but this book is called The Blessed Life. It's been around for quite a few years. It's the first book he wrote. Um, when he wrote this book, uh, it's been translated, I think, over 30-some uh, languages. Millions of copies have been purchased. And uh, if you order this book, it'll be like every book sold before. Not one dime of royalty goes to Robert Morris. It all goes to Gateway Church. So he gave of those royalties. He's written many other books. And he has done just fine financially. He has been blessed. So my goal here is to uh, share a little more depth, a little more detail, maybe a little more of his teaching that is in a book that you can't get in a, a 20, 30-minute video. And I asked the group that was here this morning, because there was a large number of here this morning, to extend grace, because some of it, hopefully you heard it in the video this morning. And I shared, too, I would love to use more of his illustrations, because he uses such great illustrations to make the point. So we're going to just go ahead and see how it works. So, Lord, I just pray for your uh, Holy Spirit to lead and guide and direct me as we share here this morning. God, I pray that we would have your heart. God, you are the ultimate giver. You gave your only son to die for us. And everything that we receive is truly from you. So I pray, Lord, as we go through this series, that we would develop the kind of generous heart that you have, that we would become more like you. Ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. The book has a subtitle beneath the Blessed Life title, and it says, Unlocking the Rewards of Generous Living. Now, when I when I read that or read that the very first time, I, I thought to myself how that lines up kind of with our mission statement, helping people to discover and experience the abundant life in Christ. And just as when we say that about our church's mission, we're not just talking about finances. As a matter of fact, that's kind of way down the list, frankly. We're talking about the abundant life that Christ died for to give his children an abundant life, more than we can even imagine. So when I looked at that, I thought there's a great connection for us there. So my, my hope is and my prayer is that we understand the true spirit of generosity. Now, in going through this topic, when we talk about generosity, you're going to see that we're talking about an abundant life and generosity in every area of our life. When you talk about generosity, how many of you think of money the first thing? We, most of us probably think money right away. Um, money is important because God talks about money a lot. He does tell us, you know, where our heart is, there's where our treasure is. So we'll be talking about finances and giving, but primarily because it's one of the easiest things to talk about. We need to give of our time. How many do, of us do a good job of giving of our time to advancing the kingdom? 
using our talents, the gifts that God's given you, your talents, your, your spiritual gifts, all of the things are part of having a generous heart, having a generous spirit. They're a little bit hard to measure. But when it comes to talking about the area of finances, it's pretty easy to measure. Most all of us could find out real quickly how we're doing as far as sharing generously into the kingdom of God by looking at our financial statements. Just go back a month or two, see what it looks like. So we're going to be talking about much more than just money, but we will be talking about money. And I believe, as I, even as I prayed, you know, God is so generous, so generous. You know, even when we didn't deserve things, he's generous. And we're to have a heart like the Father, Holy Spirit transforming us into having that heart. So we're going to jump right in and look at a scripture, first of all, that so often I have heard this scripture, and I'm sure you have heard this scripture, so misused by pastors and teachers. Because what they are using it to do is totally out of the heart of God. It's not in line with it at all. So the first scripture I want to read is in Luke chapter 6. And I'm going to read just verses 37 and 38 for now. It says this, Do not judge, and you will not be judged. Do not condemn, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Context. And if you read the preceding verses before this, you'll see that it's dealing with our heart in dealing with other people. And we read all those verses, and we look at those verses, we'd probably want to kind of scratch our head and say, Seriously, God, you mean that? Because the way he tells us to treat people generously would challenge most of our lifestyles and most of our hearts when it comes to generosity. And then in verse 38, he says, Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Notice what's not mentioned in those verses. Money. It's not mentioned. Notice what is mentioned. Judging, condemning, forgiving. That is the context that this is found in. Be merciful, just as your father is merciful. But in verse 38, it says, Give and it will be given to you. And this is where we run into trouble. This is where we've heard so much, I believe, totally wrong application of teaching in this scripture. Given it will be given to you. You know, it almost it had before that, guard your heart, and right after that, guard your heart more. Given it will be given to you. Because God is a giver. He wants to bless his children. There is no doubt about that. And then he goes on and talks about, you know, pressed down, shaken together, all those things that... We've heard, I've heard, if we've watched any, because televangelists get such a bad rap. They're not all the same. But I've heard so many use that in such a manipulative way that we're supposed to give to get. God wants generosity in us, and that will drive out selfishness. But if we slip into the give-to-get trap, It just deposits more selfishness. The enemy is good at using Scripture to bring about his desired end results. 
What we have here is a broad principle of the kingdom of God. You know, you maybe have heard people say you can't outgive God. True. You can't. It's a principle. Does it, that's, does it apply to our finances? Yes. It applies to everything. So as a general broad principle, this is absolutely true. Give, and it will be given unto you. Now, when Jesus uses words in his preaching and in his sermons, you know, if you're going to use an illustration, <clears throat> I want that I would not use an illustration. As a matter of fact, when some mission trips for us, I remember sitting around the table in people's flat, and they would tell a joke. And I don't know if it was just all lost in the translation, but they hit the punchline, and we're like, what the, what? Makes absolutely no sense at all. And the family members are just laughing their heads off. And, you know, we feel stupid, stupid Americans. We just confirm what they're already thinking. But it's such a cultural change, we don't get it. And I believe this is one of the things that we need to understand about Jesus' teaching when he gets into a sermon. And when he starts using examples and some of the words he uses, he is using words and examples that the Jewish people would have understood way more clearly than we would understand it. And I believe what we see here in verse 38 is an example of that. He is using farming terms, agricultural terms, that they would understand probably much more clearly than we would understand them. When you look at it, if we would go back, and I'm not going to take the time, but in the law back in Leviticus and back in Deuteronomy, it gives them commands. It says in Leviticus it talks about leaving the corners of your field. Send in the harvesters, but don't let them harvest in the corners of your field. As a matter of fact, there'd be two groups of harvesters. There'd be the primary harvesters in the center part of the field who are there working and earning a wage. And whatever they were going to gather the grain into and go dump it in, it didn't matter how full their basket was. They'd just fill it up till they wanted to walk over and dump it in, whatever. But then there was this other group of harvesters in the field. And they were working the corners of the field. And they were the poor. They were the poor. And for them, it made a big difference. Some of them may have walked miles. They may have got up before dawn to walk to get to that field because for them, it was harvesting to stay alive. For them to be able to eat, feed their families, and exist. So when they would come, when it came time for that basket... They would take, you know, free basket full of grain is great. But if you get one that's a good measure, that means full. Fill it up. But don't stop there. Press it down. Get as much in it as you can. And even after you've pressed it down, start shaking it a little bit. So it settles even more in that basket until it's running over you would fill up that basket as full as you could probably get it, possibly get it. And what, the, what Jesus was trying to tell the people is, when you give, it'll be given back to you. Generosity is the point he's getting at. How can we be so generous? We can't outgive God. Whatever you're going to give, you're going to get more in return. They understood that harvester in the corners was going to get way more in their basket than anybody else. So his point was, you give and you'll get more in return. A principle of the kingdom. But this is precisely where Christians and so many teachers, pastors, 
whoever get into this trap. Because it is true that whatever I give, judgment, forgiveness, condemnation, love, patience, finances, he's going to bless me. And I'm going to get more in return than I gave away. And what's the trap? Give to get. Because generosity is an attitude of the heart. It's not about the amount. Most of us know the story of the old lady in the, in the scriptures who gave her little tiny two coins, the mites. And that's all she had. And God said, that's impressive. She gave all that she had. So God's not interested in the amount. He's interested in your heart. He wants to create generous hearts in his people in the area of giving. And this story that he used in his sermon was to just reinforce the fact, out of your generosity, when you give with a right heart, you're going to get more in return than you can give away. That's the heart of the Father. But this is where there's that temptation, and all of a sudden, the get becomes the focus instead of the give. And we fall into that trap where greed and selfishness can come into play. And frankly, it's been used way too often just that way. But that's not the context. That's not what Jesus had in mind. You've probably heard the term, the law of reciprocity, right? Give, it'll be returned. Give, it'll be returned. What a wonderful law when you think of a heavenly father who is a good God and desires to bless his children. And we'll talk about the reality that everything's his anyway. All we do is give back to him what he belongs to him and he's going to bless us again. An awesome way to live our lives. But it's always a matter of the heart. And we're going to see that over and over. It's the heart. That's what God's after. That's what he's after. You know, uh, is he after your money? Yes. Because where your treasure is, there is your heart also. But it's not your money to begin with. Does he need your money? He gives a great illustration in the video I watched this morning. You know, he had a guy, he, he says, out of the blue, he says, gee, I have the craziest thoughts go through my head when I'm up here preaching. And I just had this crazy thought that, gee, we're going out for lunch right afterwards. I've got a guest pastor and his wife to take out to lunch. I don't have any cash. And the guy in the front row jumps up before he finishes it and hands him a $100 bill. And he says, wow, I need to share those thoughts more often. Well, his point in the illustration that he used this morning was I gave him that $100 bill before the service started. It's mine in the first place. Boy, do you think it was painful to give? You know, anybody ever borrow a friend's tools? Boy, when John Nakamas lived next door to me, I borrowed a lot of tools. I borrowed a lot of things. Matter of fact, some of those things are still in my garage. <laughs> Sorry, John. But when he'd ask, have you seen my? And I'd go, yeah. I'd walk down to the garage, dig around and find it, give it back to John. It was embarrassing, but it wasn't painful. It wasn't mine to begin with. You want your golf club carrier? It's in my garage. (laughs) Still, 
Can you imagine God's heart and him looking at his people and saying, oh, I hope they get the concept and the principle of getting. I just wish they'd be better getters. Of course not. God's heart is that we have a heart of generosity, that we give. Motives are really everything. I want to share a couple of scriptures. I believe they're on the screen. One's in Proverbs 16.2. All man's ways seem innocent to him, but motives are weighed by the Lord. Boy, I look good doing that, and God's looking at my heart and saying, man, is he selfish. He's miserable giving that away. James 4.3, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasure. It's all about the heart. It's all about our motives. When we're working and trying to operate in the kingdom principles of God, the motivation of our heart is what matters. Some of you might even be thinking, boy, I give, 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 and I don't get anything back. Why are you focused on what you're trying to get back? God's principles work when the heart's aligned with God. Jesus, the message in that whole sermon that he's giving, it's kind of Luke's Luke's version of the Beatitudes. His whole point is give. Give. Give of your time. Give of your talents. Give of your finances. Anything that I have blessed you with, give wherever you see the need to give. So there's going to be at least four things, and these are the four things that Robert Morris pointed out that needs to happen in our hearts that we might become pure, motivated, pure-hearted givers. And the first is this, dealing with a selfish heart. Because of time, I'm not going to read all of these scriptures The ones up there I'll read, but I would have you write down if you're taking any notes. Read Deuteronomy chapter 15, verses 7 through 15, to give a picture of what we can do to develop a generous heart. God God wanted a generous heart even in the Old Testament under the law. He wanted their motives to be right. But there's some things in there that I think we can really learn a lot from. The first is, how do we deal with a selfish heart? How many of you know that we are born selfish? We're born selfish. Now, I know these sweet little babies are awesome, but they're selfish. What's the first verbal sounds they make? And they cry and scream. You want a real loose translation? Change me, feed me, pick me up, whatever I want. Do it now. Do it quick. We're born selfish. They grow out of it, right? They become a toddler. I think it's their second favorite word right after no is mine. You can have a house full of toys and three kids and everything belongs to the one who lives in the house. Mine. We're born selfish. We don't grow out of it. We are born selfish, but we need to be born again generous. God does a work in our heart that makes it possible for us to become generous people. And that should be a natural occurrence in a born-again believer. But sadly, there's a lot of stuff we got to get rid of for that to be a reality and demonstrated. 
In Deuteronomy 15.9, it says this, Be careful not to harbor this wicked thought. Notice, he calls it a wicked thought. It's a selfish thought. He says, The seventh year, the year of the canceling of debt is near, so that you could... So that you do not show ill will toward your needy brother and give him nothing, he may then appeal to the Lord against you and you will be found guilty of sin. If you're not familiar with the, the law at all, there was a year of jubilee. In the year of jubilee, every seventh year, all debts were forgiven. How many of you want that? The year of jubilee, some of us go, oh, would that be good? But his point here is somebody comes to you with a great need. And you have plenty of resources to meet that need. But in the back of your mind going, oh, my goodness, it's six and a half years in. And six months is the year of Jubilee. I'm not going to get paid back. God's saying, don't let that wicked thought, that selfish thought even enter your mind. Give out of a generous heart. Selfishness is an enemy. It's our enemy as well as the enemy of God. The selfish nature. That's why it's so easy for us to get ensnared in that give-to-get theology. Just give. You need $10,000? Just give $1,000 as seed faith, and God will take that, and he will press it, and he will shake it together, and he'll fill your lap with more money than you can ever imagine. And people all over the United States and all over the world are getting their checkbooks out and writing checks to ministries. It's so wrong. It's so wrong. We're manipulated by the word of God. We want a generous heart. To do that, we need to be rid of a selfish heart. It's true. Don't ever forget this. When we give, we get. God promises it. When we give, we get. However, that giving is the benefit, not to be the motivation. It's the reward, not the motivator. Do you see how challenging it is to keep your heart right? This reward. I know with confidence I can't outgive God. So I'm going to give this much so I get more back. You can't cross that line. Dealing with a selfie heart. Deal with a grieving heart. Number two. I've experienced this before. I hate to admit Verse 10, you shall surely give to him and your heart should not be grieved when you give to him because for this thing the Lord your God will bless you in all your works and all which you put your hand. Look at the promise in that scripture. Isn't that amazing? Don't give and then feel bad about it because when you give out of a right heart, I'm going to bless you in all your works and all that you put your hand to. What an amazing reward for giving. What does it mean to have a grieved heart? I could talk to anybody in here that's in sales, especially if it's a big ticket item. (laughs) Darren, you ever had buyer's remorse from customers? Man alive, when you go buy something, it's a new refrigerator or it's a new car, a new pickup, a new house. New car, new house, same price, right? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then alive, you are so excited and you write the check and you know you're going to pay a hundred years of payments, but that doesn't matter. You go home, you sit down and 
all of a sudden the excitement just seeps out of your body. And it's like, oh my Lord, what did I just do? Darren, can I give you the car back? Grieving. I think he used the illustration, you know, you go buy something. This happens so often, it's happened to us. You, you, you feel, you feel really prompted to give. And you give and you stretch yourself just a little bit because the need's a great one and you need to give and, and you go home and Cindy says, Mike, the refrigerator's not working. (laughs) Oh, geez, really? And I don't know that the water heater's working either. I had someone come to me that they were excited they had started to tithe. And they no more started to tithe than I get a call and they say, I didn't understand this when I took this job, but I don't get paid for another six weeks. I shouldn't have tithed. No, they didn't say that. This is what happens. The enemy hates it if we get a generous heart. Why? Because we do, he does not want us to have the heart of the Father. He doesn't care about you and me. He wants to hurt God. And we're usually what he uses to hurt the Lord. Note the reward that is given is that totally blessed life. Selfishness comes beforehand. <clears throat> grief can come right after. Do not have a heart and grieve what we have given. How do we avoid that? The best example, and I love the illustration that I just shared with you about the $100 bill that somebody gave him that he had planted there. You know, if I'd have given Monty 100 bucks, and I said, gee, I need some cash, and he jumps up and gives it to me, he goes and sits down, Angela probably go, what the heck is he doing? Being generous. But it would be easy to do. Why? Because you have a proper perspective on who owns what. Do you understand the difference between an owner and a steward? The stuff really belongs to the owner. The steward is the one that takes care of what the owner gives them responsibility to take care of. The point is we would not have a grieving heart if we understood who owned whatever it is we're giving. Every day we live is a gift from God. The talents and the gifts that are in you to bring glory and honor to him, they obviously are a gift from him. He provides all of our needs, whatever you have for a house or a car, clothing, money in the bank, whatever. If we believe what the word says, it's all his. If I have that proper perspective when it comes to giving... I'm not going to have a grievous heart. I'm going to have a heart. He used the scriptures, and I don't think I put them on the screen, but in Psalms 24, it says, The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Everything in it. You, me, our money, our how everything in it. First Corinthians 10.26, The earth is the Lord's and everything there is his. Proper perspective. We are stewards not owners. Once we've dealt with a selfish heart and a grieving heart, there's still more surgery that needs to be done, and that is he wants us to have a generous heart. In Deuteronomy 15, verse 14, it says, And when you send him away from you, you shall not let him go away empty-handed. You shall supply him liberally, generously, from your flock, from your threshing floor, from your wine press, from what the Lord has blessed you with, you shall give to him. Give it away liberally. 
give more than they ask for. And it's either in his book or in one of his videos, he, he says he was on a mission trip. And I've experienced this on a mission trip, you know, the day you get to go to the souvenir place, whether it's a street or a store or a stand, whatever. You ask somebody, what's that cost? Ten bucks. I'll give you seven. And I'm thinking, i got a pocket full of money and this person's trying to feed his family. Do I really need to negotiate down? I know some of you are saying, that's half the fun. Want to have fun? Here's what he did. Will you take 15? Will you take 25? And the person standing next to him that tried to buy it for seven is looking at him like, you lost your mind? Generous heart. Not mine anyway. If I can bless this person, I want to bless them generously, liberally, out of what God has blessed us with. I would encourage you to read Luke chapter 6, verses 30 through 36. I'm not going to read all of them this morning either. But in verse 36, it ends with, Be merciful as your Father is merciful. God wants us to become generous. And really, the key to being able to walk with that new heart as a born-again believer is the renewing of our mind. And I can have the best intentions until I start thinking about it. And then all these other thoughts come creeping in. Renewing of our mind. Most of us are familiar with Romans 12, 2, where it says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is the good and acceptable and perfect will of God. And that is to have a generous heart and a generous spirit, to give liberally with no regret. And the final one is the final work of the heart. is to become grateful. Become grateful. Deuteronomy 15, verse 15. He tells the people that he's speaking to, remember that you were slaves in the land of Egypt. And the Lord your God redeemed you. Therefore, I command you in this thing today. Was God trying to heap condemnation on these people? That's not our goal here at all. What he's trying to do is remember remember where you were. Remember where you were. You were slaves in a foreign land. We are living in a foreign land as Christians. Our home is in heaven. He says, remember where you came from. We were all prisoners of sin. We were all trapped in the enemy's grip, without hope, until the grace of God came upon each one of us here that has accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior. You know, the Bible's clear. We can't even repent without God's grace. We will not accept the gift of salvation without God's grace. It's all about what he does and our response to what he does. Remember where you came from. A truly grateful heart is a generous heart. <laughs> Have you ever, if, you, if you're a person in here that's given away a lot of stuff, you've probably experienced this. In his book, he writes about it. I've seen it. And I've even been tempted to think this way in a really sick way. But he, 
he was going to give away one of his cars. And he had a particular family in mind. He had given to this family many, many times different things. And he knew they needed a vehicle. So he called them over. Two cars are parked in the driveway. And he hands them the keys to the car that he's going to give them. And the wife says, thank you so much, Robert. The husband says, you going to give that other car away too? How long do you think you'll drive that other car before you're ready to give it away? In his mind, he says, I'm thinking, you're darn right I'm going to give it away, but it won't be to you. And you know what? We can respond that way even when we're on the receiving end of gifts from God. We can either respond with a thankful heart, a grateful heart, or greed keeps in. Well, thanks for giving me 20 bucks, but I saw you have 100 in there. Why don't you just give me that too? I mean, most of us are smart enough not to say that. But our mind needs to be renewed so we don't think this way. We don't respond this way. God wants us to have a grateful heart. It's not about the amount. So my, my hope is that you hear God gives. You give, he gives more. Absolutely. It's a principle of the kingdom of God. But it's always about our heart. When we get to a place that we give simply because we want to give, we see a need, we've been blessed. When we get to that place that that's the only motivation, the only motivation, out of love, out of compassion, out of generosity, we just want to give. When we get to that place, we are well on the road to the blessed life. And we can all get there. So whatever, if there was anything that the Lord revealed to you in the area of your life from what we shared this morning, I encourage you to just pray. Ask the Lord to help you in that area of weakness. In our areas of weakness, are we, are we selfish? As Christians, we, we shouldn't be anymore, but it hangs on pretty, pretty strongly in our lives. Do we give liberally? Do we give without grieving afterwards? And are we grateful? That's our goal, to have a heart like that. And as we continue through this series, we're going to see so much more that I think will be truly life-changing if we respond to what we hear. We don't want it to just be more information. You know, remember, you know... One of, one of Robert's illustrations was he was being interviewed by somebody and they asked him, how often do you preach on giving? And he said, about every Sunday. The writer looked at him and says, you preach on giving every Sunday? He says, yes. But I think the question you wanted to ask was this. How often do I give, how often do I preach on giving money? He said, I do that about every three years but I can't ever preach a sermon without talking about giving. God so loved the world that he gave. I'm going to preach on marriage. You better know how to give or your marriage is not going to work. Whatever I preach on, it's about giving and generosity. So what we're going to do now is I'm going to close. We're going to pray. And then we're going to, to uh, 
release the generous spirit that's in us. The basket's overflowing, but if you want to throw more... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we pray that, that we would understand your heart. God, that we would be able to see those areas of our lives where selfishness or greed cling to us. God, I pray that you would reveal that Holy Spirit and give us the grace to quickly repent. I pray that we would become the kind of generous givers. When someone needs some time or attention, we wouldn't look at our schedule and be too busy. When we see a situation where the gifts or talents you've given us would be part of a solution, we wouldn't make an excuse. That we would be people like you who just want to give because that's the way you are and we want to be like you. So I thank you, Lord, for your generosity and I thank you for the generosity of this body of believers. God, we have been so blessed, even as we as a church give away, you bring in more. The generosity of this congregation is such a blessing and I pray you bless each and every one for their generosity. And I pray, Lord, you would give us eyes to see as we leave a building like this and go about our day, our week, in the workplace, wherever we might go, that we don't quit looking for opportunities to be generous, that we would see those needs around us and that your Holy Spirit would prick our hearts and whisper how we can give. Lord, I pray that as we go today, those divine moments, divine connections take place, that we walk in your protection and we demonstrate your love. And we ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.